This is Brain on Nature, a podcast about how going out into the natural world changed my brain. I'm Sarah Allerley. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, it'll make sense if you go back to the start. This is episode three. Splashed on the ground by what is on. What we know happens is with the trauma of the brain moving back and forward or side to side in the skull, the brain's a very jelly-like organ. So the nerves get twisted and can have what are called shear injuries. So little nerve fibers get torn and damaged at a level that's so microscopic that we can't see them on a scan. And your MRI was completely normal. There was no bleeding. There was no, no areas of damage visible. my neurologist, Dr. Ron Granite's upbeat. He says I'm going to get better, but he also gives me a reality check. I chatted to him about this later. It was about six weeks, I think, after the accident when I first saw you, and you referred me for an MRI and to the brain injury clinic at St. Vincent's Hospital, and you seemed quite matter-of-fact at that point that my recovery was going to take time and I just needed to accept that. Yeah. And I think I was quite shocked. It hadn't really sunk in. Mm. Like I, I guess because my brain wasn't working, I hadn't really thought this was what was happening. Dr. Granite told me I couldn't rush it, and if I tried to rush it, it would take longer. I needed to take it easy. Doctor's orders. Take it easy? That's something I wasn't generally good at. But I was getting better at doing nothing because I had to. The MRIs booked for the following week. The brain injury clinic wants to see me as soon as I have the scans. I guess my neurologist pushed me up the list. My friends Jane and James invite us on a hike. I like bushwalking, but it's not a big part of my life. Just something I do occasionally. Anyway, Miles is working, but I decide to take the kids and Miles' mum, Lenore. I'm not driving yet, so Jane drives my car down to Heathcote National Park, just south of Sydney. I've never been there before. It's a steep climb down through scribbly gum eucalypts and banksia trees. I have large, rocky outcrops. Grandma Lenore is struggling. It's a long way from the streets of Chicago. The uneven ground is hard on her body. But she makes it, and she enjoys it. Emerald loves the clamber. She's nearly three, and she likes climbing, but when the path's flat and boring, she complains until James offers her a piggyback. I am not complaining. I'm noticing that my head feels really clear. I haven't had a headache all day. The fog lifts. I feel alive. My brain feels kind of stimulated in a relaxing way. I don't know what this is, but it's working. It's a really hot day, so when we get to Kingfisher Pool, we cool off in the fresh water. I can't swim because my shoulder's still healing, so instead I wade in up to my chest. I stand under the gentle waterfall. It's heaven. 
the pools surrounded by lush greenery. There's probably snakes and eels, but the kids' squeals scare them away. Mum, is there eels here? No, no, because you guys make too much noise when you're swimming. When you're splashing around, it scares the eels away. Is it cold? It's very cold. I'm going to fight you. We picnic on the big rock that looks out over the pool. There's nobody else here. Our Chicago grandma's very impressed with our gourmet picnic of cheese and crackers and cakes. James even brews up some coffee. When we head back up the hill, we stop for more pastries and tea on a rocky cliff. It's been the best day since the accident six weeks ago. I feel happy, satisfied. I feel more like myself. I feel free. I don't have a headache. Jane drives our car back to Sydney. I pull out my phone to direct her of Google Maps. A headache arrives. But I found it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means. I don't know if there's any science to this. But I know that being in the bush, walking amongst the natural world today, really helped my brain. Days later, I catch two crowded rush hour trains over to Edgecliff in Sydney's eastern suburbs for my MRI. I feel edgy. I don't really understand what they're looking for. It's pretty scary when the doctor says he wants to scan your brain to check for bleeding or clots or other problems. And you've already spent a good six weeks feeling like something's really not right. In the waiting room, a breakfast show's blaring on the TV. Something about Pauline Hansen hating on Muslims. You don't put people in there from another culture, another religion, another way of life that is so foreign to people in aged care facilities. I've been in a news blackout, so it feels surreal. I remove all my jewellery and then I'm led into the room with the MRI machine. It looks space age. Everything's white and shiny. I've been warned MRI machines are really noisy. The technician asks me what kind of music I want to drown this out. I try to explain that I'm not really doing music these days. Really? What about classical? No, definitely not classical, sorry. I walk out of the MRI clinic clutching the large envelope with my scans. I have time to kill before I'm due at the brain injury clinic at St Vincent's Hospital. The three hours feel like six. No novel, podcast or even social media to distract me. The walk between the MRI and Edgecliff and St Vincent's passes Rushcutters Bay. I plonk myself under a tree on the grass and just watch the boats. I'm distracted by the lapping water. Here I am again using nature to get by. I switch trees a few times so people don't think I'm weird. Finally, it's time. I walk into the hospital feeling freaked out. I still don't know what's wrong with me. I haven't felt like myself for nearly two months. 
you were a bit more demanding and I don't know I mean it's hard to say what your personality would have been like without the accident because as people grow and change you know I could see that there that often things would come to a head pretty quickly in terms of temper and you know anxiety you'd kind of lash out um kind of with more anger than previously you know I still see that how soon after the accident did you notice that well, I guess in a couple of weeks, really. But I, but again, I could think, well, she's in pain. She's irritable. She's got a, you know, really low threshold for um, things that upset her. So it's kind of understandable. This is my partner, Miles. I recorded this conversation in our living room. Um, but then, you know, over time, when all the symptoms of the accident were gone, I still. You know, to this day, I still wonder if a part of your personality changed in um, through the accident. I remember you saying that to me. You felt like I had changed, that I was different, a different person. Like you'd known me for quite a few years before the accident, like what, seven years or something. But then the other thing that has developed during this time is sometimes you do seem to have a lot more empathy as well so maybe with those difficult emotions comes more understanding because you know i also notice that like you give emerald and billy a lot more hugs and you'll stop and listen even if they're you know even if they're screaming and crying sometimes your response is to kind of give them a hug hand over my MRI scans at St. Vincent's Brain Injury Clinic. Before I see the specialist, his registrar asks me a hundred questions. He encourages me to just accept my situation. Accept that I have what they're calling a mild traumatic brain injury. He explains that when my brain struggles with a task and a headache arrives, if my reaction is to go frustrated, stressed, upset and anxious, I'll make the headaches worse. I have to overhaul my attitude to this whole thing. I'm already seeing a neurologist. Now I see brain injury rehab specialist Dr. Stuart Brown. He has more tests. Later on, I interview him in his rooms. When I first came to see you, you guys did some more extensive tests, um, sort of comprehension type tests. Um, and there was one that it was quite noticeable that I didn't do so well on it was the test was where you have to name like words, words beginning with a letter of the alphabet for yeah, example yeah and they're not allowed to be what is it they're not allowed to be something so proper nouns yeah typically it so just has to be and I really struggled with that and I remember just thinking oh my god this is really weird that I can't do this why is this so yes. hard so my memory actually of your of your cognitive screening that we did was that you generally did very well, but quite well. Uh, but in traumatic brain injury, we tend to see in some of this simple cognitive testing uh, a few areas that people do worse than expected. And one of them is that particular test, the ability to come up with words that uh, fit a particular structure so the person is given a letter of the alphabet and they have to say in a minute as many words as they can that don't have proper noun that, that aren't proper nouns proper nouns are people and places etc the ones that need capital letters 
That's in case you're part of my generation that wasn't taught grammar. Anyway, let's give this test a go now. I'm going to set the timer for a minute. See how many words you can think of that start with the letter A. Remember, they mustn't require capital letters. Count them out on your fingers. Okay, go. How did you go? I can't tell you exactly if your score fits in the normal range because it depends on a few different things about you. But if you finished high school and you're between 25 and 50 years old, the average number of words you should have come up with is 15. I fit into that group and I only got a handful of words. And we think of that as being particularly a frontal lobe skill. And so... The frontal lobes in traumatic brain injury tend to cop a bit of the injury out of proportion to perhaps other areas of the brain. And so it's very common that we see people with frontal lobe difficulties and uh, the typical things that the frontal lobes do, they provide, um, that, that the frontal lobes are important for our ability to multitask, to concentrate, to respond to feedback, to inhibit our behaviour, so to know when to not do a particular behaviour. And one of the aspects of this test of generating words is that we think it is a frontal lobe skill. So if people have difficulties in that area, we're thinking that the the traumatic brain injury may be impacting on frontal lobe function. It's subtle. The frontal lobes are an important part of our independence, of our thinking ability, of our ability to to work and and live um, complex lives. And it is the frontal lobes that are also injured more frequently than other parts of the brain. The results of this word test point to which part of my brain's injured. Turns out it's not the part of my head that hit the road. Uh, It is very common that people who fall and hit the back of their head may have superficial injuries over the back of their head and indeed often fracture the skull at the back. But it's the front part of the brain that, that receives the greatest injury. And that's because just of mechanics, the, the brain effectively bounces forward at the time of the strike and damages the inner surface of the front part of the brain. Ironically, however, if you get hit at the front part of your face, it's still the front part of the brain that cops the greater part of the injury. So that's why we commonly see frontal lobe problems. You might think this diagnosis would drown my spirits, but part of Dr Brown's treatment seems to be positivity and confidence. He expects a full recovery. I just need to accept 
one thing that we look at in traumatic brain injury rehab is we're looking at markers that might give us some indication of how much the brain has been injured. And it's not necessarily looking at a, at a scan of the brain, although that is helpful. You can actually have a pretty good, if not almost normal looking scan, and yet be really having functional difficulties. And then the opposite, you can have a a brain that's got a lot of acute blood in it. Uh, the neurosurgeons may need to go in and actually remove the blood and and uh, there, there can be other complications from that but nonetheless the person functions quite well. We look at how long someone's unconscious uh, both at the scene but also what happens when they're in the emergency department and we also look at another important thing and that is the length of time that someone has memory or confusion after their trauma and that is a very powerful predictor of how someone ultimately recovers and I'm, I was pleased to see in your situation that it was a brief period of time it was um, it was an hour or so. Nothing comes up on the MRI but they can diagnose my brain injury clinically from consults instead of physical tests. This is actually a huge relief. I've been released from the fear of the unknown. This is how my neurologist, Dr. Ron Granite, explains it. After any, any brain injury, we, we struggle at the moment in terms of, of demonstrating things physically from MRI scans and so on. And your MRI was completely normal. There was no bleeding. There was no, no areas of damage visible. But if we looked at it under a microscope, we would find that there are some changes there of injury. Nerves are cut and... That takes a long time for nerve cells to regrow, rewire to get you back to where you were. There are new um, tests starting to be available, and I think one's probably just been approved by the FDA in America, where you can do a blood test to estimate the quantity of brain damaged uh, in a head injury. And wow. they're thinking of using those to manage concussion as well as accidents and things like that to tell who will have a better outcome, who will have a worse outcome in terms of overall estimate of damage to brain tissue. So do you think if I had done one of those, I would something would have shown up? Probably. Oh, that's so interesting. The MRI itself is not at this stage strong enough to be able to see those microscopic changes. The standard MRI these days is double the strength of about 10 years ago. Um, they, they can find out more microscopic level detail because the pictures are better. But you have to do a different MRI that's very, very difficult to get hold of. Um, and that may show more. I've been told to slow down. I literally slow my fast walking pace right down. I start noticing people's gardens on my way to physio in Marrickville. Instead of making it a brisk 15-minute walk along main roads, I take 25 and explore leafy back streets. I check out the impressive veggie gardens and the front yards of Lebanese and Greek families. I notice one guy cuts his parsley right back to leave just a few stems. He assures me it'll grow back soon. He's right. I soon notice the parsley has grown back. I spot big pomegranate trees full of fruit. This older Lebanese couple don't offer me any pomegranates, but they explain something's not right with the fruit or the weather. They offer me a cutting to take home and plant. So I slow down, but my diary fills up. Not with work and kids' activities and friends, 
It's a full-time job just getting better. Physio three times a week, appointments with my GP, neurologist, brain injury rehab specialist, shoulder surgeon, occupational therapist, and soon I'll be adding a few psychologists. I kept a record of my headaches, something I continued to do for nearly three years. Mostly it's just times and events, what I was doing before the headache came on. But today, it's two months after I was hit, and I excitedly report lots of improvement. I gradually increase activities, mostly staying below headache threshold. I read the school newsletter, I use my laptop Google to pay bills, look at statements, I manage to read short, homework. simple stories to Emerald. I can cope with background music now. These are pretty big accomplishments. I feel like I'm testing the boundaries. I'm sometimes going over my threshold, but it's a start. I've still got a long way to go. Brain on Nature was created, written and produced by me, Sarah Allerley. Olivia Rosenman was co-producer. Ariana Martinez did the sound design and mix. Jonathan Zenti made this fabulous theme music. Other music by Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks to everyone I interviewed while researching this series. Head to brainonnature.com for more stories and science.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.